Hey there, Dungeon Master Philip here. Have you been following the art released and thought, could I too have a portrait or landscape as badass as the Etro teams? Who would I turn to? Well, look no further. Our very own Gleek can take care of you and all of your art demands. You can check him out on Instagram as gram.illustrations. That's right, gram, G-R-A-H-A-M, dot illustrations. Commissions start at $50, so feel free to message him directly or send him an email to gramillustrations at gmail.com. He'll handle anything like logos, album covers, character art, and much, much more. Just reach out and he'll take it from there. We hope to hear from you soon. Warning, the following podcast will contain explicit content, so if that's the kind of thing that upsets you, then I recommend leaving now. This is your one and only chance. Everything beyond this point is overgrown idiots playing with dice. Your discretion advised. Oh shit, it looks like it's time to start the green- Interview. Interview. Etro after hours, baby. Interview number two. Yeah, yeah. Check yeah. out Samson before you listen here. What are you doing with your life? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, everyone. Well, Mono to me. <laughs> without further ado, welcome to Etro After Hours, season one, episode two. Uh, this is going to be our boy, Gleek and Riptide's interview. Sheesh! I'm very much excited for this. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, what's going to be rolling on tonight is very similar to uh, the Samson interview that we did not too long ago. Uh, we're going to be running for about an hour, hour and a half. We're going to be shooting some questions, not only from uh, chat perspective, but also through uh, my own. And we're going to be uh, getting Gleek and Riptide's full uh, concept on what's going to come with the future, what's going to come with his character, and overall, a little bit more in-depth on who Gleek is. We touched base on Session Zero, but now we're going to get the full scoop. So, without further ado, my friend, I think the first thing we should start off with, let's introduce Gleek and Riptide. We're laying all the cloacas out on the table today. (laughs) Okay, yeah, uh... Character, describe, should I describe the character then? Yeah, feel free. Just for anyone if, that might be hopping into this. For if time. for some reason, if somehow you've gotten five episodes in and one complete session and still don't know who Gleek and Riptide are, uh, Gleek is a, an Aarakocra, Aarakocra, I'm going to go with Aarakocra, um, but he's also half hummingbird, and so hilariously he sits at like barely six inches, a little bit under. I mean, if you count his, uh, like, the three giant, like, plumage feathers that he has on his head, it's just about six inches. Um, but he also has a half-brother who's a pigeon, and that pigeon's name is Riptide. Uh, that's just a regular-ass pigeon. Um, but because of his mom, he basically has to bring that pigeon everywhere he goes, and uh, it's basically a half-brother, not necessarily a wanted brother. <laughs> Yeah, honestly, I love Riptide as a character, too. Just having that little pigeon by your side, not being able to talk to, he just kind of has to coo and nod the whole time. Exactly. And this, like, dynamic that we've already kind of started where Gleek... I don't know if Gleek actually does understand everything that Riptide's saying, but he certainly leans into it as if he does. Gotcha. Here, chat so that your mic is just a tad loud. I turned it down a little bit. Uh, how is that? Try talking a little bit. Check, check. One, two, Gleek and Riptide coming at you. Uh, Ranger stuff coming up with rhymes. I don't do this all of the time. <laughs> how we do? How's that? Awesome. <laughs> Chat says we're good to go. Cool. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, visually, uh, so yes, he's Gleek is six inches, he's green, he kind of like a red belly about him. Uh, as I said, kind of plumage feathers, but they're like individual feathers that are coming up more like a cowlick than anything. Um, his adventuring stuff, he is a ranger, but he's not like quite a ranger yet, and so all of his items are very clearly beginner items. Gotcha. And I'll add that, they're a little improvised too, because I mean, a uh, creature of your stature, only about this big, you know, uh, not exactly buying a bow from a regular book. <laughs> exactly. It's it's a lot of, from the books that he's read, kind of understanding like what a bow is, how a bow might be come about to be made, and really like doing a lot of the guessing work along the ways. I feel like at the point of where we are in the story, he's probably understood that like it's some sort of like rat sinew that he has to use to like develop the string of his bows um but as of like the wood he's made out of his bow i have no idea what he used <laughs> <laughs> he just got a toothpick real wet and found a way to exactly just real soggy and he always has to keep it loose and wet. <laughs> oh, yeah. now uh now that we know really who riptide is uh i want to delve a little bit more into his backstory so uh where does he live how did he come to be yeah, his deep, dark backstory that he doesn't see as being dark at all. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> Gleek lives on lives, lives on the third floor of Tolfor, which, for all intents and purposes, is like the top floor of Tolfor. It's, uh, oh no, sorry, he's, he's on the first right floor of Tolfor. Yeah. I know, I can't believe I'm going to mess it up again. <laughs> he's on the first floor of Tolfor, which, for all intents and purposes, is the highest, most like luxurious floor of Tolfor. Uh, his family started off up there as like bureaucrats. Um, but his dad went missing one day and they basically lost their stature due to like not being able to provide to that first floor and also uh, like rumors were swirling about his dad. But instead of fleeing the first floor, uh, they base um, Gleek wasn't born at this time, but his mom basically moved all their stuff up to the attic, hid it away, sealed up the entrance, and um, continued to live in there for pretty much all of Gleek's existence. He was hatched up there and he's lived up there almost his entire life. Nice. Uh, would you say uh, it was a good time up there? I mean, being stuck inside as a bird was probably incredibly tough. So, like, what did what did you do to pass the time? Uh, so he definitely thinks it's been a great time. Um, it's been a lot of books. It's been a lot of uh, early on. There was a lot of like pigeons kind of sneaking through like a hole that his mom punched through the wall, uh, or like broke through the wall. And so it was a lot of like uh, playing make pretend uh, or make believe against those pigeons, pretend they're like dragons, and he was like a knight going at them. Uh, lots of like bouncing off the walls, coming up with like his own stories and everything. And it's been mostly a lot of like the books that he was able to read that his mom would like sneak back home in the middle of the night. Gotcha, gotcha. Honestly, it's kind of funny that he has that whole knight bravado. Uh, he probably read a, lot, he read a lot of those stories, huh? Like uh, chivalric knights saving the princess and such. Of course. Whatever like the hero of a story is, I, I feel like probably there's not a lot of written heroes about rangers, but definitely about knights in shining armor. And that's probably been the majority of the stuff he's intaken. It's probably where he's done most of his morals from, ethics, um, probably sense of adventure too, just seeing what's possible in these fantasy novels and like wanting to pursue it on his own yeah nice yeah okay okay not too shabby my friend um let's see now we've covered uh who he is how he started uh what he liked to do with his time now let's go a little bit more into who he is now uh so if you could kind of give a uh, yes best, best interpretation on like his mindset at uh, this moment like what what's his goal where he's at in his story is right at the beginning, which I think is what I really wanted to have in mind when going into this, is like, 
Um, I wasn't too interested in creating a, a character with like too much backstory. I feel like a lot of the backstory I have on my side is like quote unquote what his mom would have told him, and whatever backstory ends up developing that line, that's like the things that he that he wasn't told. Um, but currently, right now, he kind of knows that his mom is getting sick. Um, really, she's just getting a, like really old, kind of losing her marbles a little bit, and he's decided that it's his like duty to go out of the house and bring help to her and obviously he can't really bring help to somebody who's hiding in an attic and so the only way he knows to get help is to um, essentially bring their status back up to where they can come out of hiding and like start living on that first level again and so he's kind of going out he like left his mom a message um, a note really <laughs> uh, but his brother Riptide of course came with him and now they're kind of off in this journey to like figure out how to get help back to his mom that's cool very, very noble of this little bird. You know, hopping in a world so unknown to him. He has only seen the quarters of that attic for so long. He could probably tell you how many nails are in the boards. Of course, and there's probably a way to pass time, too. Uh, for those who did catch uh, a session before, but just to reiterate, like, he did kind of sneak out every once in a while, um, like, with... Um, uh, like approval of his mom to like kind of go out and start providing for them when his mom was starting to get a little bit sick and couldn't get out on their own and uh, he would have to bring Riptide with him because you know his mom would make him and so there's a lot of kind of adventuring and like minor exploring around the city he's probably uh, it would usually be sneaking off from the first floor onto the second floor and doing like really preliminary stuff around there but it's it's mostly like fighting the cockroaches rats raccoons that are kind of like living in that city very very minor adventuring stuff Nice. Well, good stuff. Let's see. We actually, uh, we got a question from Instagram. Uh, SirCastic97 says, what does Gleek think of normal-sized Aarakocra? Um, I don't know if he's ever seen a normal-sized Aarakocra, which I think would be a hilarious moment to have on the stream. Like, the first time I, like an actual like, bald eagle-esque Aarakocra like, appeared on screen, he's like, Holy shit! And he doesn't curse. You know, whatever the equivalent of that is on the stream is um, seeing like an actual Eric Coker in person, and maybe that's like where self doubt starts seeping in. Because currently he thinks he's mostly more Eric Coker. It's what he's been told. And as far as he's concerned, for his race, he's like a, a normal height. He's like a well sized person compared to like other races and their preferable sizes and all that. Gotcha. But yeah. I think. He's in the dark right now. Honestly, seeing something that big, too, like twice your damn size, like, I want to know what the hell to do. <laughs> Almost like 25 is his size. He's going to be like, yeah. like, all this that I could have achieved or it should have been, like, so, like, like this is the character. This is the, the noble person. I got gypped. <laughs> I think the only reason he's not going to be spiraling over um, Ace's character is simply because he probably sees Ace as a different race. He probably doesn't understand that he is a Kenku just yet. Like, he sees the bird feet, but he's like, I have bird feet. That's normal. Of course he would have bird feet. <laughs> would you say Would you say that uh, Gleek is pretty oblivious? Like, obviously he's a bit young, but, like, it, would you say he's ignorant to a lot of things? He is, yes, blissfully unaware. And yet he will get too many things correct that he absolutely shouldn't have knowledge of. Uh, just based off all the other assumptions that, that he'll kind of, like, spout out there. <laughs> there you go. So we got a, another question. This one's from the chat. It is, uh, what is Gleek's favorite flower? That actually comes from your boy Samson. 
Ooh, from our boy Samson. Um, well, probably most of the flowers he's seen have come from books, uh, so I don't think he's aware that flowers have really smells to them at all, or like really textures or anything. Uh, but I think he's become like really partial to the weeds that have been growing up through like the cobblestone of Tolfor. <laughs> it was like, and because like the weeds will grow, grow like these little yellow flowers, like oh, these aren't really in the books at all. It's like so maybe to him, it's almost like he's discovered this flower that nobody is like taking the time to write down about just because it's a weed. Yeah, it's like maybe some type of a magical fuse like dandelion it's at that point. Beautiful. Like, it's beautiful, but it's probably like the first <laughs> one he's encountered. Exactly. So everybody's talking about like the books are always on like human eating plants or like plants that can like shoot out spores and he's like, what about this one that grew out of the rocks? <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty cool. <laughs> So yeah, I think I think that's really is like a direction I'm trying to take the character is like swerving out of anything that you might automatically assume about him and trying yeah I guess breaking down assumptions is really what I go for uh, just kind of keep like a level of unexpectedness going on um, and I think playing the character a little aloof and very new to things will be a good way to, to do that. Yeah, honestly, it's a real great way because, I mean, diving in, uh, playing not only a character like him, so adolescent, so, like, um, uh, simple-minded is something I want to use because, like, he doesn't exactly have a lot of experience backing him at this point. So he, I mean, he's kind of just going in everything blind, yet he's so confident about everything he does. So, it's all books. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And people are going to admire that. Some people might laugh at that. But ultimately, I think it's really going to help develop the character. I think so, too. And I think as we go through the podcast, we'll kind of see him, like, sorting through the information he has in his brain. Like, oh, this is clearly not true. Whatever book I read on that was obviously, like, fiction or made up or was lying. I don't know if he would have an understanding of fiction, nonfiction. So I think he would look at some books as just purely lying to him and other books, like, providing some basis to adventure. Oh, yeah. We got another question in the chat. This one's from Kamikaze Pegasus. He says, what, what, what was his favorite critter to fight? Um, I think cockroaches. They do have a move called, um, I should emphasize, so Gleek and Riptide, they, they do a lot of training out in the city because they're trying to practice their hero moves that they think they can kind of take to real-life monsters outside of the city and really take them down. And one of the moves they have is called Cockroach Boogie. And, um, <laughs> and that's just, like, the move that they use for her. Uh, essentially like rounding up all the cockroaches kind of like scattering them and confusing them and like basically can killing them with confusion <laughs> and so whenever Gleek will like yell out to Riptides going um what the fuck cockroach boogie my bad I can't believe I'm already slipping it um that's when they just like scatter around they like go around the enemy and they start like crisscrossing every which way just trying to divert their attention yeah corralling them like cattle almost of course and there's so many uh wrestling moves I'm or I call them wrestling moves, but you know, they're really like hero combos that they're coming up with that they think will really work. And I think it's been a lot of the fun I've been having with this character is like trying to think of what somebody with absolutely no experience would think that would work and then trying to put that into these instances where they might. <laughs> Something might come from it. You never know until you try, dude. Exactly. Yeah. I know it hasn't popped up in the uh, current campaign yet, but I know in the audition something called uh, Ghost Voice. Very effective. <laughs> we will get to that down the line. <laughs> you guys will be seeing that in the near future. Ghost Voice is going to be everywhere. <laughs> oh, God. Now, I want to go a little bit more into uh, Riptide, actually. So, uh, we... 
first off, let's talk about uh, who Riptide is and how he got involved in your life. You were mentioning pigeons coming in and out of the attic, so let's go a little bit more in depth. Yeah, so origin of Riptide, how how Glee kind of turned from finding the pigeons to eventually accepting them. Um, So as I said, Glee's mom, Sula, punched a hole in the wall uh, way early on, and we can kind of talk about that after this pigeon part if we want, Um, but like, they would obviously live on the bird seed and sneak into the attic, and so all the time, these pigeons would be flying in uh, to the attic, try to steal all their food, try to like get out of the weather, stay warm, and all that. And so Glee currently is three years old, and so probably for the first year, uh, year and a half, he spent like fighting off the pigeons. Um, and then like as he was approaching his second year, which I think for Eric Kokra is kind of like juvenile, middle, <laughs> middle age, um, you know, like not a toddler anymore. Um, but his mom was kind of slipping around that time as well, and um, started like talking to the pigeons as they were coming in. And Gleek was kind of growing tired of fighting pigeons because it became too easy. I, I think it became like a little disillusioned with them. Like they they clearly weren't dragons, and they weren't feeling like dragons anymore. And so it was kind of like a defeated like, okay, if they come in, I'm not going to shoo them away. It seems like his mom is really enjoying their company. She's like starting to clue back at the pigeons themselves, yeah. and um, is like slowly growing this like relationship with them eventually like the pigeons are staying over there like sleeping Sula's kind of like sleeping on the pigeons and like isn't going to bed anymore um but then like eventually one day there's this other pigeon that arrives and that pigeon is of course Riptide um Gleek got a name Riptide but <laughs> when he came to the whole uh his, Riptide and his mom like had this like really special connection for some reason like for that reason um she really paid attention to this pigeon more than all the other pigeons that were uh, staying in the loft, and so eventually it just kind of became a thing where like it was always this same pigeon that was returning. Uh, Gleek, like, <laughs> Sula basically said, like, hey, this is your brother in, like, kind of her more demented stage, and I was like, this is clearly not my brother. She was like, well, it's your half-brother, at least. Um, and then <laughs> Gleek's like, well, if he's gonna be my half-brother, can I at least name him? And Sula was like, yeah, you can name him. And so like, Riptide! <laughs> just the coolest name he could think of. But by naming him the coolest thing ever, uh, Riptide ended up taking the spotlight away from Gleek probably more often than not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, with a name like that. With a name like that. And plus, uh, like, Sula, uh, his mom, kept spe- like starting to speak more and more pigeon, like, starting to coo more, was less attentive to Gleek. Gleek had to, like, provide uh, even more for his mom. Um, at three years old, I think that's considered, like, entering adulthood for Aarakocra, and so um, he's really, like, going out to the city, bringing back bird feed, bringing back books for himself, and, like, um, starting to, like, come into his own as, like, this caretaker for his mom. Nice. Very, very noble. <laughs> very noble. Uh, which is interesting, because I don't think I played that into his background at all. I think I went into him with, like, uh, the background idea of a local folk hero, or, like, somebody who's about to, like, come into that local folk hero. Yeah. Which is apparently a word I can't say. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing great, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, I know. For anybody watching, I'm in Nin's usual space, so this is so bizarre and out of place for me. <laughs> Where is she? <laughs> What did you do with Nin? <laughs> now, uh, I just out of curiosity, is there anything that sets uh, Riptide apart from the other pigeons? Like, is there any like visual aesthetic to him that's a bit different? Uh, like, eh, they're just identical. 
Greek, Greek has no idea. He, I, I don't think he's aware of the changes, though. He's definitely seen, like, how his mom is very attached to this pigeon. Uh, and so this just ends up being the pigeon he spends the most time with. Um, but this pigeon is, like, clearly more intelligent than the other pigeons. But just because Greek hasn't spent time with those other pigeons, he has no idea about this. So he just thinks all pigeons are capable of, like, picking up these wrestling moves, going on these adventures, taking, like, pretty basic orders or, like, very basic uh, conversation. Um, but I don't think, sorry... There's a little, little fruit fly. Um, but I don't think he's aware that, like, not all pigeons are like this. Yeah. So, just out of curiosity, if you were put in, like, a scenario where, like, let's say, let's say, uh, Riptide flies over to a ledge, right? You're chasing after him, and then perhaps there's, like, six or seven other pigeons. Would he be able to tell exactly <laughs> which one is Riptide? Visually, no. The, the way I see the scene playing out in my mind is six pigeons on the ledge. He's like, Gleek is on the other side of the pigeons, and he's just like picking them up, kicking them off like the ledge. He's going rip time, rip time, <laughs> and uh, like we can't visually identify him. He starts like throwing out their code words like pineapples, cockroach boogie, uh, ghost boys, <laughs> and see like which pigeon might respond. But if Riptide decided just not to respond and like stay totally silent and pretend to be another pigeon, he'd have no idea. Oh, that poor kid. <laughs> poor kid, I know. He just brings home the entirely wrong pigeon. <laughs> right, comes home and, like, Riptide's just pissed off because you left him at the fair still. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Oh, man. Okay, well, uh, let's see. We've covered Riptide, we've covered Gleek, we've covered a little bit more in the backstory. Actually, you know what? There was one part you did mention we should go back to. Uh, your Super mother. Part. Yes, your mother punching the hole. Well, what went down yes, with that? Yes, um... So, Sula's backstory is far darker than uh, Gleek and Riptide's, of course. So, Sula lost her husband. She was getting kicked out of the first floor home, had to move everything up to the attic. Uh, and, of course, at the time, she had three eggs that were hatching. Um, and, like, this whole time in the attic, uh, they just weren't hatching. Um, it's been, like, months kind of going by. None of them were, like, showing to, like, give any proof that they were hatching. Some of them were like, starting to turn gray. There was, like, an odor kind of coming off. Um, but, like, people had already moved into the house below, and she had to, like, get rid of these eggs before it drew attention to them down below. And so she kind of waited until the new uh, guests, which I'll just say they were, um, it was, like, a group of imps that moved into the house, and they were, like, imp lawyers for the first floor. <laughs> um, and so they started, like, throwing this party at one night, and um, she kind of took that opportunity to, like, bust a hole through the wall while, like, they're celebrating down below and use that opportunity to, like, start <laughs> scooting the eggs out the broken wall that she formed so that um, she'd get rid of the scent, get rid of the, the dying eggs, and like not draw any attention to herself. But it was like, after she pushed out the second egg, that's when she noticed that the third egg, kind of sitting back, like was starting to hatch, and it popped out bleak. Um, and it was like the most, it was probably the happiest she had ever been in um, the entirety of the time in the attic. Which has been months. <laughs> yeah, I mean, after after so much loss, like the two other eggs not hatching, the husband going missing, like even the loss of a home, that's all incredibly traumatic. So I mean, so just, traumatic. To have, just to have that yeah, little bit of light. And this was all happening to her when she was like at an older age in her life as well. So like her even having the eggs. I mean, man, this sounds like I'm drawing from something in real life. I promise you I'm not. I have a good relationship with my mom. She had me when I was really young. Anyways, uh, or when, well, of course she had me when I was really young. When she was really young. Uh, anyways, uh, but like, I was zero when I was born. Um, it was Benjamin Button. You came out 86. Like <laughs> At the age of six, I was born. Um, but... But yeah, she's probably at this point in her 
if Gleek is three, she's probably about 20 to like 21, and like the air, the average lifespan for an air coker is about 25 years. So uh, what he's kind of seeing as like the sickness that he can't really find a cure for is really just kind of her reaching the end of her life, kind of like getting a little delirious and um, really, <laughs> really kind of living in her own world, which is ironically the basis for Gleek's existence is living in his own world. Okay, okay. The parallels. <laughs> Speaking about living in his own world, I kind of wanted to touch base a little bit about uh, session one. Uh, so I thought this would be a lot of fun. First off, um, I was curious. Uh, let's go into a little bit about why you were at the pub. Yeah, so um, basically uh, for... It just in case it hasn't been stated, uh, the campaign itself is picking up right after our, our auditions, which our auditions weren't recorded, and so this is kind of like our hidden backstory that might be revealed to the audience down the road, uh, or um, come back in some way. But we're basically kind of already off this jumping off point, and so some things had already happened, and one of those things was uh, Gleek had left his house for the first and... Uh, last time. Well, not for the first time, but he left his house for the last time. He left his note and he will not be returning until um, he can basically provide his help for his mom. And so, um, like a lot of this, so he left the house and basically in search for heroes that he could get up for his journey, go and um, go onto this journey and like do some feat that could like bring his family back up. And in his mind currently, it's like if he can kill a big enough monster, if he can like drag a head to like the first floor. Um, of Toll for like something might come from that <laughs> but so that was his um, first mission he, le he leaves the house with Riptide to go to a bar and immediately like they're trying to find uh, people to work with and I'll kind of leave it there without getting too spoilery gotcha gotcha now uh, also I was curious um, how did you perchance know Nin it seemed like you two were rather familiar um so, very chance encounter. I think, uh, just as far as like role playing goes, obviously you want to try to bounce off of the player characters. In my mind, like as soon as I can to get that uh, dynamic going, so I have like a close relationship to them over like a PC of sorts. Um, but it kind of started off with me bouncing off of a different NPC that was much larger, much tougher, and then Nin kind of stepping in to be like, whoa, 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 this is too much, if I remember correctly. Yes. Uh, which is going to be a, a beat that plays continuously through the podcast of Gleek truly like getting himself into situations that he absolutely shouldn't be in, but his just level of confidence and uh, knowledge he believes he has will be him going up to like the biggest heroes, kings even, and being like, good sir, <laughs> and I enlist you. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like that's going to bring him not only uh, potentially a lot of respect, but I feel like it could also bring you a lot of problems. <laughs> I think so, too. And I think a lot of his age is going to kind of come through with the story, too. Uh, obviously, there's no plans for him to return back to the house until he can provide the help that he needs to provide. And so I'm thinking, like, throughout the podcast or the journey, he'll, like, just pop up things like, oh, you know, like, back in the attic, like, we only had a sponge bed to sleep on, so, like, these, like, crazy beds are amazing. And just letting, like, some of his backstory out in those ways. Just, like, really sad remarks, but he's very, like, joyful about. <laughs> like, oh, man, we used the same bathwater for two weeks. You should, like, see how that smells after <laughs> so long. 
Oh, that poor bird. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking about his journey, Kamikaze Pegasus asked, how do you think Gleek will grow on his journey? How do you, uh, so what do you think is going to ultimately, um, uh, what do you think he's going to develop towards? Um, I'm certainly not going to push it in any said direction, but his the entire character of Gleek is based off of growth. Like We're really kind of catching him at a point in the story where he's beginning that hero's arc, uh, hero's journey. Um, as I was saying earlier in the podcast, like I, were, I really wanted to focus on making sure he didn't have a backstory, so it's almost like this podcast is us following his backstory. And a lot of that is um, becoming more knowledgeable about the world, kind of shedding these beliefs that he already had, uh, probably questioning his own sense of heroism, uh, which I'm so excited to get into with the Ace character. I think Ace is really going to push Gleek into these like questionable areas. Okay, okay. Yeah, honestly, I can see that dynamic happening quite a bit because I'm based on session one. <laughs> Poor <laughs> Ace. Oh, man, he could not catch a break with his shots. And oh, my gosh. I, I just, just looking for a target for, it felt like, hours at a time. Like, what can I shoot in here? Yeah, and then ah! The man. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing he hits is the shopkeeper. The one thing you don't want to hit. Oh my gosh, man! Uh, I think too. Maybe a character. I don't know. Maybe this is something we'll get into a little bit more later too. But a character I'm very excited to jump off of or bounce off on uh, is definitely uh, the character of Dathira. Um, I feel like I've been having like so many good moments with her, and like it's it keeps like feeling really organic. And I don't know if it's going to be like a motherly kind of connection that comes from that, or kind of this uh, maybe like come to understanding of like a motherly figure, but above that like as a person first, and then like, kind of recontextualizing that within his own like childhood, kind of moving up like oh this very motherly figure like uh, we're having these fun adventures on. Um, if I were to reword a little bit, I would say, like, the adventures he's having with Dathira, um, almost filling this void of the adventures he felt like he should have been having with his own family. Oh, yeah. I could definitely see that happening, because, I mean, at that point, it's kind of like looking back on all the things, the missed opportunities, if you would. Yeah. I mean, he was stuck in that attic for so long, all he knew was his mom slowly losing herself, and a pigeon brother he can hardly understand, you know? <laughs> so, like, at the end of the day, he don't really have much to talk to, and those books were truly one of his only friends besides his brother. So, oh, it went real dark. <laughs> Sorry, you it so well. <laughs> it's haunted. <laughs> it's okay, it's just a British guy. Oh, that was great. <laughs> Uh, now, wait, ultimately, yes. though, I, I truly think uh, the two, the cohesion between you and Dathira, I think it's going to be unique, uh, especially with Bandit. Good God. You guys... And now that he speaks. <laughs> now that he speaks, it's just a whole other monster in its own. I think uh, I'm still, as a player, I'm still trying to figure out how I want to uh, go with that because... Oh man, like this one, like they're one of their main enemies that they ever had to take down while practicing in Tolfer was raccoons. But now here's one they have to like treat as a party member, as like an NPC all on its own, uh, somebody they have to have conversations with. I think it's going to come a lot down to a lot to like, so what is up with trash? Why do you enjoy doing that? <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, on top of that, uh, what was it? Having him, having the type of character that Bandit is. 
he's a natural troublemaker. Like, obviously we have Ace who's leaning a bit more towards this evil side. Uh, we've seen, like, him, the temptation. It's very real for his character right now. So we're first stepping into that part where we're wondering where he's going to lead. Yet we have Bandit over here who's just the natural-born troublemaker. Like, he's kind of like the jester of your guys' group. And I feel like he... I feel like the two of you are probably going to end up getting into some trouble on your own. Yeah, and our... I think the personality of Gleek and the personality of Bandit are like so opposed um, yeah. that like trying to that a lot of the bouncing off each other is going to be that yeah the tension is going to be real. I think uh, some aggressions will come out of it. I think I don't know maybe it'll be fun to like bring Gleek into this area where he also sees Bandit as his responsibility to like reel him in a little bit because um, I know that it was something that I would like love to try to bounce off of the Ace character of like me trying to like show him almost how to be a certain boy scout and like bringing bandit in along like hey you probably shouldn't call him toots you probably shouldn't you know do all these other things <laughs> i feel like that's just gonna lead to a very passive aggressive conversation uh yeah, yeah oh I man i wonder if because with I wonder if Gleek is capable of passive aggressiveness. That, that's what I'm saying, is that your character, like, he, yeah, he's obviously a little oblivious to certain things, so having yeah. this uh, very rough, uh, kind of like East Coast-styled uh, raccoon, I feel like, <laughs> very, I feel like he, he's really just going to be coming at you with a lot of witty puns and a lot of sarcastic notes, and it's just going to be like b b uh, passed off as incredibly passive aggressive and I feel, <laughs> I feel like he might have a hard time grasping that in the beginning yes <laughs> I, was, I was like a very normal person I think Oh man, it would be so funny to have Bandit throw a joke at Gleek and be like, hey, you know what's really funny is you accidentally told a joke there and like starts breaking down his joke back over to Bandit and Bandit just be like, yeah, dude, I know I made the joke. <laughs> and just having Gleek be this very like literal person where he's very good at breaking things down for others, but if somebody tries to break things down for them, he's like, hey, <laughs> excuse. <laughs> I feel that. I've, it's definitely going to be something fun, something a little bit chaotic, but it's going to be a great dynamic, ultimately. Yeah, uh, I'm excited to see what comes up in the moments. Now, I'm kind of curious. Uh, you personally, and for uh, Gleek, what are, your, what are your speculations on where this campaign might lead? It's going to be dark. Ooh, it's going to be dark. I, I'm expecting losses. I'm expecting... I don't know what will happen with the Sula character, uh, Gleek's mom. If I'm prepared for anything as a player, if she dies, I understand that's part of the story, and I have, like... I understand... I, I feel like I have my reaction kind of planned for that, um, but also um, breaking it down to where things that happen in the books, in the stories, isn't real life, is going to be very exciting to look into and so I hope the darker it gets and like the more realism is kind of like shown onto uh, the reality that he's facing before him oh it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot <laughs> sorry okay. trying to form my thoughts around this oh no you're gold Honestly, uh, I, definitely, wanna... I definitely get where you're coming at too, because I mean, you've you've played in my other campaign uh, where it's where it's incredibly dark, heavy notes most of the time because you guys have gotten to this point where uh, like that that very sugar coated like fairy tale beginning <laughs> it, it's yes. not as mystic as it once was because I try to bring a lot of reality to these games because not only does it make you think a lot more, but on top of that, it really troubles you as the character and 
as a player because you're sitting there like holy shit like yeah. this, this would go great with my character's thought process <laughs> but like morally I know where you're headed and I don't want to go that way and some of it too is like deciding the character arc like in your head as it's happening like how I know how I react to this but how do I move my own character to now react to this moment like the first time they probably kill somebody I think is going to be this realization of like something he didn't have in mind like that death was a possibility like killing the person uh that's in front of them like whatever villain's like whoa this is this is out of hand uh so that's definitely gonna be like one huge mile marker for him is like the first death he encounters oh yeah i feel like the that very cartoony side of him is gonna be pulled off real quick then <laughs> it's going from Looney Tunes to Bojack Horseman really fast. <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden you're just watching Gleek like taking a drag from the cigarette like out of a balcony. Like, it's been rough times ever since I lost my brother Riptide. I'm a totally different person. <laughs> Actually, funny you say that because Kamikaze Pegasus asked, "How would Gleek react if something were to happen to Riptide?" Let's, let's uh, start first. I'm curious about two different sides of that. So first, let's say that he gets hurt. Like, just, just hurt in general. Like, he gets wounded. Hurt? It definitely depends on the severity of that injury. Um, it's very jokey up until the point where he thinks he's going to lose him. So, broken wing, it's like, suck it up, you big baby. Uh, severed wing, it's probably tears in the eyes, like, suck it up, you baby. It can be dramatic <laughs> type deal. Um... But if, like, he ever did lose Riptide, ooh, yeah, if he ever did lose Riptide, I don't think he would be able to live with himself. And you probably see some, like, dark days ahead of him where he's, like, piling up feathers into shapes and, like, putting rocks on top of it to, like, try to recreate his brother. Like, like, do you think Mama noticed? (laughs) Like, holding this makeshift pigeon and just, at like, finding any ways. Like, he'll he'll take the path of the warlock, just be able to, like, grab necromancy powers to bring back Riptide. (laughs) That is one devoted brother. For someone who is not excited about having a half brother, he's a real sweetheart. Of course. It's it's you know, it's like the classic like brotherly ain't stuff where it's like you don't want to admit anything but like yeah. but like it shows through through actions at all. <laughs> yeah, the moment that second kid pops into the equation, it's nothing but a battle of jealousy <laughs> and of favoritism at that point. And when it was so dramatic to the degree that his mom stopped speaking to Gleek and pretty much only spoke pigeons to, like the other pigeons like there was like such a cutoff point for him but they're still like oh man like mom would kill me if you died <laughs> <laughs> and if you die I'll kill you <laughs> now uh let, let's see we've, we've touched base on what would happen if someone else died now what do you think uh what do you think it's gonna be like when he has to kill someone so let's say like uh, Gleek and Riptide are caught in a one-on-one scenario with an individual. You know, like let's say they're both trapped in here, and this guy is intent on killing you or you killing him, and there's no passive way out of this. <laughs> how, how, how do you think he's gonna fare? I think he does go for the kill, but it's it's really after everything's been uh, measured. Um, obviously, his first well, not obviously, uh, but Gleek's first move will always to be to like apprehend them or like disable them in a way where like the fighting stops to like have a have a conversation, and so like he can drop his own uh, heroic monologue to like the villain and like change their ways. But I think if it really came down to it, like it, even if he turned his head and like closed his eyes, he would still like let go of the arrow and like 
take out the other person if you really had to. But I'm hoping that moment's pushed down like quite a ways down the line and like a lot of these, uh, I think he, it's not so much of a big deal for him, at least not at first, um, if like other people kill other people and he's just kind of uh, a viewer in that. But the second it's his own action, um, that's when like uh, pieces of him starts breaking down. I feel that. Okay. Uh, let's see. I think a question that I definitely have for you too, uh, this one's a little bit different. It's more hopping into your equipment. Um, I'm curious. Do you think he's ever going to go astray from the bow? Do you think he might hop into like a crossbow? Perhaps even try to find someone who can make a gun at your size? It would take a made, uh, impressive craftsmanship abilities, you know, but uh, I'm just curious. Do you think you're going to be a bow guy forever? I think I want to be a bow guy forever. Uh, we already hit level two, so I already get weapons expertise, and I went ahead and threw that into the bow. I think he sees like a lot of like heroism in the bow. Um, a lot of like the practice and training that it takes to use it. He only has like a very makeshift one that he's kind of built his on his own, so like it doesn't really shoot very far. It barely like takes out the rats. Um, oh man, I didn't even think about how like the death of rats plays into his concept of like the death of other people. Maybe he doesn't. Mm. Okay, that's something else to get into. Uh, but <laughs> currently, <laughs> currently though, like very makeshift stuff. Uh, he does have a cloak, uh, but it's like one of his dad's cloaks that that he left behind before his trip. Um, but as far as equipment goes, he has very rough arrows, a uh, very makeshift bow that he's kind of like built from uh, like the sinewy tissue of the critters he's killed. Um, Maybe how gross if we wanted to get gross with it, maybe his bow is made out of like cockroaches legs at first and it's just like this real like gutter kid <laughs> like coming up for like you guys like my bow and just holding up this like um it's oh man, I hate making references, but um almost like those like SpongeBob close ups like where all of a sudden the art gets like way too real and there's like flies flying off the bow and like little hair sticking out yeah. and you're just holding it. <laughs> Awful. <laughs> oh, gross. Yeah, so um, to make a long answer short, I think he's going to stick to the bow. Um, and I think he's really going to be improving a lot of it. I don't want to end up being a player who uh, supports things from very far away. Like, I don't want to be a character who's just flying above the action, like shooting arrows down. Um, so I'm really hoping to find not just pushing the character, but pushing myself to find like more creative ways uh, to use the bow. Like if I'm tying the rope onto an enemy, tying the rope to like the end of an arrow, like shooting it or something, uh, whatever kind of pops up in the moment. Gotcha. Now, uh, let's see. Ooh, I think I got a good one. What do you think would happen in this scenario? Let's say that, um, let's say the opportunity for a new partner arises. Let's say that someone very formidable, very uh, proud in stature, very noble, uh, perhaps someone uh, that's even more cohesive with you than you and Riptide, naturally. Do you think there might ever be the opportunity where you and Riptide ever disband? Hit me with tough questions. That's so good. I think I it could I guess it really depends on the NPC, but I think currently he kind of sees the two of them as like one unit. Um, whenever he's teaming up with an NPC, it's really the two of them teaming up with one NPC. Um, and like a lot of, or not necessarily NPC, but you know, another character. And so he sees like his team dynamic as like coming before 
himself in a way. So I want to say the answer is that he wouldn't consider a new team up, but there might be like an arc where it's like, um, if Riptide is injured and he can't join in, like, hey buddy, I need to go with this other guy. Please don't be jealous, but we're gonna go do some hero shit. (laughs) Because I mean, there's gonna be definitely some scenarios where you might not want to bring Riptide with you just out of fear for his survival. Of course. If something's too dangerous, uh, maybe kind of tuning in back to the session one where he started up this game of like hide and go seek with Riptide like at the very beginning and just kind of like lost track of him. I think there's gonna be a lot of distractions like that where it's like we're about to go into this big battle and it's like like hey Riptide can you go find me exactly 27 grass seeds and like five hay seeds and uh, bring him back here and we'll see you when we're done. Okay. Good luck. <laughs> like sending him off on his like own really minor quest, which I think could also be a hilarious thing to like cut to during the podcast. Is like us with this giant battle, uh, and then like cutting back over to Riptide. Like I found a seed. I found another seed. <laughs> <laughs> that, would, that would definitely introduce a uh, more than a few good opportunities for not, like a nice little monologue, funny little narrative. Of course. Of course. <laughs> now, just out of curiosity, do you think, uh, kind of delving into that same question a little bit more, uh, do you think there's ever an opportunity where you and Riptide might get into an argument? Maybe you don't decide to cut it off, but do you think Every, Riptide ooh, might Riptide himself decides to part with Ooh, that's deep and dark. Um, if, he, if he's as intelligent as he is, then obviously he's got his own opinion on certain matters. He has to make his own opinion. Um, yeah, I think Leap would definitely be on his knees begging for him to come back. Um, but yeah, that's always an opportunity, uh, or that's always a possibility for him to uh, leave. And I think that would be such like a hard thing for him to try to deal with as well. <laughs> I feel that. I am definitely, I mean, anyone stepping off, whether it's to better oneself or whether it's for much darker or sadder reasons, yeah, it's, I think uh, I miss- it's always tough to say goodbye. I think I missed part of that question too. I I hope I'm not doing too much for making you repeat a little bit. I just want to make sure I didn't miss anything. Oh no, it, it was more so just talking about like, uh, it, just if Riptide would ever take that opportunity, do you think he would ever go about that? Like, do you think uh, he would be ever pushed that far? I think if anybody were to leave the group, it would definitely be Riptide's decision as well. And I think that'd be. I don't know if he would see that as a tough decision, but it would be very hard on Gleek. And as I was kind of saying, like he would be like on his knees begging him to stay, um, unless it was something like like Riptide found like his flock of pigeons that he belongs to. Then it's like I get it, buddy. You got to be here. I'll let mom know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there are instances where it would be okay, but no matter what, it's going to be tough. I hear you. Let's see. We got a few questions from the chat. This place, I would also like to get into lore speculation. Ooh. Let's hit those chat questions. We'll hit these chat questions and then some lore speculation for you. Uh, so, what does Gleek do better in? Hot or cold weather? That is another one from Samson. Um, I'd probably say hot weather since he has most experience uh, within the mountain of Tolfor. Um, I don't know if he knows what a cool breeze is. Um, well, maybe living up on the first floor with a hole there, like maybe every once in a while something came in, but probably exploring that after something. Yeah, I have a nice little draft every once in a while, but probably for the most part, it's all um, hot, like really damp weather, especially in an attic where like just nothing but heat rises. Like it's a, he's probably used to being in a sauna for most of his life. Yeah, basically a sweat box at that point. <laughs> Poor kid. <laughs> 
Um, He's having the time of his life, and he doesn't even know it's all soggy. L.O.G. Nasty says, what if Gleek was purple? I don't know. What if Gleek was purple? Uh, maybe to some viewers he is purple based on if they are colorblind or have color differences. We, we simply cannot know, and I'll let them answer, answer that. If Provide a platform for our colorblind um, individuals. Hey, if he was purple, I think he would just be a peacock at that point. Standing strong. <laughs> colorblind. <laughs> uh, let's see. So we got one from Surfer Girl. She says, uh, what is Gleek's favorite flower that might distract him in pivotal moments? So we already talked a little bit about the flower being that little, like, uh, weed that would kind of break through the toll four floors. Uh, pretty much the equivalent of like a magical dandelion. So I'm going to kind of reflavor that one a little bit. I do like the idea though. Do you think um, there's potentially any flora or fauna that he might find uh, interesting enough? Like you said, he's a boy scout basically. Like if he gets caught up in a moment where he sees something unique enough, do you think he's really going to step away in the midst of combat? Um, or like even just a pair, guess, like maybe you guys are having a monologue with like the evil king or something, and then all of a sudden <laughs> you see like, wow, is that posies? <laughs> you never get that distracted. I think uh, for those who managed to watch the one shot before uh, the podcast, uh, it wasn't recorded, but there was a moment in there where uh, there was a flower that might have provided a tactical advantage to the battle, and I think he looks at a lot of plants as... Um, what can help him during a battle, maybe outside of battle, for like healing properties. Um, but I don't know if he'd ever be... The only time he'd be so distracted to like leave the party to look at a flower would be out of combat. It would have to be something that he's like hasn't come across before, like read about before, and would like want to document it himself. Maybe goes up there, like kind of like noms on the, on the paddle a little bit, like, hmm, interesting. It tastes like better here, but if I eat the stem, then mm. And like people come up and like, dude, that's a rose. There's nothing special about it. <laughs> it's like, you don't know. <laughs> you don't know until you try. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, none of my books ever talked about roses. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of that, actually, your books. Ooh, that's a good cool one. Uh, yes. are, are there any books he has that are favorites? Perhaps any favorite authors? Oh my gosh, he does. Good thing I have my notes here. I actually don't know. Um, crap. The answer is yes. The long answer is I don't have it on me, um, but I have it on my phone, which I am using right here to record. <laughs> um, and I can't... I think there was one called An Elf in His Journey. Yes. I believe that, that was one. Correct. Um, I made one of my own called Friends of Markesh. Uh, that goes into like maybe like the like a playful side of like hey here are the kings of Marrakesh and here, and here are how they like uh, high five each other like in the desert and stuff but it's like really just a very kid dumped down version of like wars that have taken place in Marrakesh yeah um, <laughs> almost kind of like a morbid book but the kids just so oblivious you know. <laughs> Oh, and I can't forget uh, all of his dragon books. Oh my god. Dragon books are like the one thing that he focuses on, and he has so much knowledge on dragons and just knows absolutely everything that there is to know about dragons. Truly a dragon expert. <laughs> oh, man. No sarcasm detected. Is that sarcasm? Oof. <laughs> Alright, my boy. Well, I think what we're going to do, because we're at 50 minutes already, I think we're going to take a 10-minute break real quick, just to kind of give us time to stretch. Uh, we're going to come back. We're going to dive in a little bit more, talking about pretty much the future predictions for the campaign and all that. 
And uh, yeah, if you guys have any questions, feel free in this 10 minutes to drop them in the chat. Uh, it is currently 7.50 Pacific Standard Time. We'll come back at 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Holiday. All See right. you guys there. See you guys soon. Wait, no, no questions. All the dumb questions, too. I love as the dumb questions. As many dumb there ones. There is no dumb questions. Please, please. The pr Honestly, purple was probably one of my favorites. The <laughs> more... Purple. <laughs> Yeah, because I love working in like just things that you wouldn't expect into like his per own personal beliefs. Um, so yeah, anything the weirder the better. Oh yeah, hits with it. All right, guys. Well, yeah, we'll see. You. Now it's gonna be in about nine minutes. Need something new to listen to? Try checking out Foreign Life Form, for they have just come into orbit with some new sick tunes and merch. Foreign Lifeform is a space punk band here to promote DIY culture along with a quest for innovative music in a stagnant scene. They aim to achieve victory in their mission by choosing to lead by example amongst their human peers in ways such as producing their merch, shopping locally, and striving to make fresh music using famous techniques from a multitude of genres. Follow their page on Instagram to hear more about their message to bring back manufacturing to America, and check out when their next show in San Diego is. Stop following blindly. Expand your mind. Check out Foreign Life Form today. Hey, Dungeon Master Philip again. Just wanted to say that you should check out at Slime Punks, spelling is S-L-I-M-E-P-U-N-X, on Instagram. If you're looking to explore graphic illustrations, artistic ventures, and user interface projects done by V. Savnan Bukanan herself. She also has an online store called Sick Boy Threads. If you're looking for a new beanie, sweater, or t-shirt to rock, my personal favorite is the Death Moth hoodie. You'll definitely know it when you see it. You can find all of this at sickboythreads.bigcartel.com. Use promo code Dungeon Daddy. <laughs> Just kidding. You think I got a fucking promo code already? But seriously, check it out though. You'll be happy you did. Ready to roll some dice with some kick-ass tunes in the back? Well, I reckon you should check out Running and Screaming then. Local to Ocean Beach and tons of shows under their belts, this ska punk group brings the vibes and the beer. I highly recommend checking them out on their social media. They have merch available, live shows coming up as well. Heard through the grapevine that they might also play D&D as well, so even more reason to give them a listen. This one is one of my personal favorites called Alcoholics Unanonymous. Let us know what you think. Now, back to the podcast. Yeah! 
on, so now I think I do what I can to try to be free. Purple gas, I'm a crew. Days almost in the past. Hope that I feel something new, but one more will make it last. So now we drink. So now we Oh shit, it looks like it's time to start the interview. Interview, intro after hours, baby. Interview number two. Yeah, yeah. Check that answer before you listen here. What are you doing with your life? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, everyone. Well, Modern to me. <laughs> without further ado, Welcome to Etro After Hours, Season 1, Episode 2. Uh, this is going to be our boy, Gleek and Riptide's interview. Sheesh! I'm very much excited for this. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, what's going to be rolling on tonight is very similar to uh, the Samson interview that we did not too long ago. Uh, we're going to be running for about an hour, hour and a half. We're going to be shooting some questions, not only from uh, chat perspective, but also through uh, my own. And we're going to be uh, getting... Gleek and Riptide's full uh, concept on what's going to come with the future, what's going to come with his character, and overall, a little bit more in-depth on who Gleek is. We touched base on Session Zero, but now we're going to get the full scoop. So, without further ado, my friend, I think the first thing we should start off with, let's introduce Gleek and Riptide. We're laying all the cloacas out on the table today. <laughs> okay, yeah, uh character describe should i describe the character then yeah feel free just for anyone if, that might be hopping into this for if for some reason if somehow you've gotten five episodes in and one complete session and still don't know who gleek and riptide are uh gleek is a, an aerococra aerococra i'm gonna go with aerococra um and but he's also half hummingbird and so hilariously he sits at like barely six inches, a little bit under. I mean, if you count his, uh, like, the three giant, like, plumage feathers that he has on his head, it's just about six inches. Um, but he also has a half-brother who's a pigeon, and that pigeon's name is Riptide. Uh, that's just a regular-ass pigeon. Um, but because of his mom, he basically has to bring that pigeon everywhere he goes, and uh, it's basically a half-brother, not necessarily a wanted brother. <laughs> Yeah, honestly, I love Riptide as a character, too. Just having that little pigeon by your side, not being able to talk to. He just kind of has to coo and nod the whole time. Exactly. And this, like, dynamic that we've already kind of started where Gleek... I don't know if Gleek actually does understand everything that Riptide's saying, but he certainly leans into it as if he does. Gotcha. Here, chat so that your mic is just a tad loud. I turned it down a little bit. Uh, how is that? Try talking a little bit. Check, check. One, two, Gleek and Riptide coming at you. Uh, Ranger stuff coming up with rhymes. I don't do this all of the time. <laughs> how we doing? How's that? Awesome. <laughs> Chat says we're good to go. Cool. <laughs> um, yeah, visually. Uh, so yes, he's Gleek is six inches. He's green. He kind of like a red belly about him. Uh, as I said, kind of plumage feathers, but they're like individual feathers that are coming up more like a cowlick than anything. Um, his adventuring stuff. He is a ranger, but he's not like quite a ranger yet. And so all of his items are very clearly beginner items. Gotcha. And 
I'll add that they're a little improvised too, because I mean, a uh, creature of your stature, only about this big, you know, uh, not exactly buying a bow from a regular book. <laughs> exactly, it's it's a lot of from the books that he's read, kind of understanding like what a bow is, how a bow might be come about to be made, and really like doing a lot of the guessing work along the ways. I feel like at the point of where we are in the story, he's probably understood that like it's some sort of like rat sinew that he has to use to like develop the string of his bows um but as of like the wood he's made out of his bow i have no idea what he used <laughs> he just got a toothpick real wet and found a way to exactly just real soggy and he always has to keep it loose and wet. <laughs> oh, yeah. now uh now that we know really who riptide is uh i want to delve a little bit more into his backstory so uh where does he live how did he come to be yeah, his deep, dark backstory that he doesn't see as being dark at all. Um, so, <laughs> Gleek lives on lives, lives on the third floor of Tolfor, which, for all intents and purposes, is like the top floor of Tolfor. It's, uh, oh no, sorry, he's, he's on the first floor of Tolfor. Yeah. I know, I can't believe I'm going to mess it up again. <laughs> he's on the first floor of Tolfor, which, for all intents and purposes, is the highest, most like luxurious floor of Tolfor. Uh, his family started off there as like bureaucrats. Um, but his dad went missing one day and they basically lost their stature due to like not being able to provide to that first floor and also uh, like rumors were swirling about his dad. But instead of fleeing the first floor, uh, they base um, Gleek wasn't born at this time, but his mom basically moved all their stuff up to the attic, hid it away, sealed up the entrance, and um, continued to live in there for pretty much all of Gleek's existence. He was patched up there and he's lived up there almost his entire life. Nice. Uh, would you say uh, it was a good time up there? I mean, being stuck inside as a bird was probably incredibly tough. So, like, what did what did you do to pass the time? Uh, so he definitely thinks it's been a great time. Um, he, it's been a lot of books. It's been a lot of uh, early on. There's a lot of like pigeons kind of sneaking through like a hole that his mom punched through the wall uh, or like broke through the wall. And so it was a lot of like uh, playing make pretend uh, or make believe against those pigeons, pretend they're like dragons, and he was like a knight going at them. Uh, lots of like bouncing off the walls, coming up with like his own stories and everything. And it's been mostly a lot of like the books that he was able to read that his mom would like sneak back home in the middle of the night. Gotcha, gotcha. Honestly, it's kind of funny that he has that whole knight bravado. Uh, he probably read a, lot, he read a lot of those stories, huh? Like uh, chivalric knights saving the princess and such. Of course, whatever like the hero of a story is, I, I feel like probably there's not a lot of written heroes about rangers, but definitely about knights in shining armor. And that's probably been the majority of the stuff he's intaken. It's probably where he's done most of his morals from, ethics, um, probably sense of adventure too. Just seeing what's possible in these fantasy novels and like wanting to pursue it on his own yeah nice yeah okay okay not too shabby my friend um let's see now we've covered uh who he is how he started uh what he liked to do with his time now let's go a little bit more into who he is now uh so if you could kind of give a uh, yes best, best interpretation on like his mindset at uh, this moment like what what's his goal where he's at in his story is right at the beginning, which I think is what I really wanted to have in mind when going into this, is like, um, I wasn't too interested in creating a, a character with like too much backstory. I feel like a lot of the backstory I have on my side is like, quote unquote, what his mom would have told him. And whatever backstory ends up developing that line, that's like the things that he, that he wasn't told. Um, but currently right now, he kind of knows that his mom is getting sick. Um, 
really she's just getting a, like really old kind of boozy and marvels a little bit and he's decided that it's his like duty to go out of the house and bring help to her and obviously he can't really bring help to somebody who's hiding in an attic and so the only way he knows to get help is to um essentially bring their status back up to where they can come out of hiding and like start living on that first level again and so he's kind of going out he like left his mom a message um a note really <laughs> uh, but his brother riptide of course came with him and now they're kind of off in this journey to like figure out how to get help back to his mom that's cool very very noble of this little bird you know hopping in a world so unknown to him he has only seen the quarters of that attic for so long he could probably tell you how many nails are in the boards of course, and there's probably a way to pass time too. Uh, for those who did catch uh, a session before, but just to reiterate, like you did, kind of sneak out every once in a while, um, like with um, uh, like approval of his mom to like kind of go out and start providing for them when his mom was starting to get a little bit sick and couldn't get out on their own. And uh, he would have to bring Riptide with him because you know his mom would make him. And so there's a lot of kind of adventuring and like minor exploring around the city. He's probably. Uh, it would usually be sneaking off from the first floor onto the second floor and doing like really preliminary stuff around there. But it's it's mostly like fighting the cockroaches, rats, raccoons that are kind of like living in that city. Very very minor adventuring stuff. Nice. Well, good stuff. Let's see. We actually uh, we got a question from Instagram. Uh, Sircastic97 says, "What does Gleek think of normal sized Aracocra?" Um, I don't know if he's ever seen a normal-sized Aarakocra, which I think would be a hilarious moment to have on the stream. Like, the first time, I, like, an actual, like, bald eagle-esque Aarakocra, like, appeared on screen, he's like, holy shit, and he doesn't curse me, you know, whatever the equivalent of that is on the stream is. Um, seeing, like, an actual Aarakocra in person, and maybe that's, like, where self-doubt starts seeping in, because currently he thinks he's... Mostly Aarakocra, it's what he's been told, and as far as he's concerned, for his race, he's like a, a normal height. He's like a well-sized person compared to like other races and their preferable sizes and all that. Gotcha. But yeah. I think he's I mean, in the dark right now. Honestly, seeing something that big too, like twice your damn size, like I want to know what the hell to do. <laughs> <laughs> Almost like 25 is his size. He's going to be like, yeah. like all this that I could have achieved or it should have been like, so like, <laughs> like this is the character. This is the, the noble person. I got gypped. <laughs> I think the only reason he's not going to be spiraling over um, Ace's character is simply because he probably sees Ace as a different race. He probably doesn't understand that he is a Kenku just yet. Like he sees the bird feet, but he's like, I have bird feet. That's normal. Of course, he would have bird feet. <laughs> would you say? Would you say that uh, Gleek is pretty oblivious? Like, obviously, he's a bit young, but like, it, would, would you say he's ignorant to a lot of things? He is yes, blissfully unaware, and yet he will get too many things correct that he absolutely shouldn't have knowledge of, uh, just based off all the other assumptions that that he'll kind of like spout out there. <laughs> there you go. So we got a, another question. This one's from the chat. It is, uh, what is Gleek's favorite flower? That actually comes from your boy Samson. Ooh, from my boy Samson. Um, well, probably most of the flowers he's seen have come from books. Uh, so I don't think he's aware that flowers have really smells to them at all or like really textures or anything. 
Uh, but I think he's become, like, really partial to the weeds that have been growing up through, like, the cobblestone of Tolfor. <laughs> it was like, and because, like, the weeds will grow, grow like, these little yellow flowers, like, oh, these aren't really in the books at all. It's like, so maybe to him, it's almost like he's discovered this flower that nobody is, like, taking the time to written down about just because it's a weed. Yeah, it's like maybe some type of a magical fuse, like, dandelion at that point. It's beautiful. It's beautiful, but it's probably, like, the first <laughs> one he's encountered. Exactly. So everybody's talking about like the books are always on like human eating plants or like plants that can like shoot out spores. And he's like, what about this one that grew out of the rocks? <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty cool. <laughs> and so yeah, I think I think that's really is like a direction I'm trying to take the character is like swerving out of anything that you might automatically assume about him and trying. Yeah, I guess breaking down assumptions is really what I go for. Uh, just kind of keep like a level of unexpectedness going on. Um, and I think playing the character a little aloof and very new to things will be a good way to, to do that. Yeah, honestly, it's a real great way because, I mean, diving in, uh, playing not only a character like him, so adolescent, so, like, um, uh, simple-minded is something I want to use because, like, he doesn't exactly have a lot of experience backing him at this point. So <laughs> he, I mean, he's kind of just going in everything blind, yet he's so confident about everything he does. So, it's all books. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And people are going to admire that. Some people might laugh at that. But ultimately, I think it's really going to help develop the character. I think so, too. And I think as we go through the podcast, we'll kind of see him, like, sorting through the information he has in his brain. Like, oh, this is clearly not true. Whatever book I read on that was obviously, like, fiction or made up or was lying. I don't know if he would have an understanding of fiction, nonfiction. So I think he would look at some books as just purely lying to him and other books, like, providing some basis to adventure. Oh, yeah. We got another question in the chat. This one's from Kamikaze Pegasus. He says, what, what, what was his favorite critter to fight? Um, I think cockroaches. They do have a move called, um, I should emphasize, so Gleek and Riptide, they, they do a lot of training out in the city because they're trying to practice their hero moves that they think they can kind of take to real-life monsters outside of the city and really take them down. And one of the moves they have is called Cockroach Boogie. And, um, <laughs> and that's just, like, the move that they use for her. Uh, essentially like rounding up all the cockroaches, kind of like scattering them and confusing them and like basically killing them with confusion. <laughs> and so whenever Gleek will like yell out to Riptide going, um, what the fuck? Cockroach boogie, my bad. I can't believe I'm already slipping it. Um, that's when they just like scatter around, they like go around the enemy and they start like crisscrossing every which way, just trying to divert their attention. Yeah, corralling them like cattle almost. Of course. And there's so many uh, wrestling moves. I'm, or I call them wrestling moves, but you know, they're really like hero combos that they're coming up with that they think will really work. And I think it's been a lot of the fun I've been having with this character is like trying to think of what somebody with absolutely no experience would think that would work and then trying to put that into these instances where they might. <laughs> Something might come from it. You never know until you try, dude. Exactly. Yeah. I know it hasn't popped up in the uh, current campaign yet, but I know in the audition something called uh, Ghost Voice. Very effective. <laughs> we will get to that down the line. Effective. You guys will be seeing that in the near future. Ghost um, Voice is going to be everywhere. <laughs> oh, God. Now, I want to go a little bit more into uh, Riptide, actually. So, uh, we... First off, let's talk about uh, who Riptide is and how he got involved in your life. You were mentioning yeah. pigeons coming in and out of the attic, so let's go a little bit more in depth. 
Yeah, so Origin or Riptide, how how Glee kind of turned from finding the pigeons to eventually accepting them. Um, so as I said, Glee's mom, Sula, punched a hole in the wall uh, way early on, and we can kind of talk about that after this pigeon part if we want, um, but like, they would obviously live on the bird seat and sneak into the attic, and so all the time, these pigeons would be flying in uh, to the attic, try to steal all their food, try to like, get out of the weather, stay warm and all that. And so Glee currently is three years old, and so probably for the first year, uh, year and a half, he spent like fighting off the pigeons. Um, and then like as he was approaching his second year, which I think for Eric Kokra is kind of like juvenile, middle, <laughs> middle-aged, um, you know, like not a toddler anymore. Um, but his mom was kind of slipping around that time as well, and um, started like talking to the pigeons as they were coming in. And Gleek was kind of growing tired of fighting pigeons because it became too easy. I, I think he became like a little disillusioned with them. Like they, they clearly weren't dragons, and they weren't feeling like dragons anymore. And so it was kind of like a defeated like, okay, if they come in, I'm not going to shoo them away. It seems like his mom is really enjoying their company. She's like starting to clue back at the pigeons themselves, yeah. and um, is like slowly growing this like relationship with them eventually like, the pigeons are staying over there like sleeping Sula's kind of like sleeping on the pigeons and like isn't going to bed anymore um but then like eventually one day there's this other pigeon that arrives and that pigeon is of course Riptide um Gleek got a name Riptide but <laughs> when he came to the whole uh his, Riptide and his mom like had this like really special connection for some reason like for whatever reason um she really paid attention to this pigeon more than all the other pigeons that were uh, staying in the loft, and so eventually it just kind of became a thing where like it was always this same pigeon that was returning. Uh, Gleek, like, <laughs> Sula basically said, like, hey, this is your brother, in like kind of her more demented stage. And I was like, this is clearly not my brother. She was like, well, it's your half brother at least. Um, and then <laughs> Gleek's like, well, if he's gonna be my half brother, can I at least name him? And Sula was like, yeah, you can name him. And so, like, Riptide, <laughs> just the coolest name he could think of. But by naming him the coolest thing ever, uh, Riptide ended up taking the spotlight away from Gleek probably more often than not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, with a name like that. With a name like that. And plus, uh, like, Sula, uh, his mom, kept spe like starting to speak more and more pigeon, like, starting to coo more, was less attentive to Gleek. Gleek had to, like, provide uh, even more for his mom. Um, at three years old, I think that's considered, like, entering adulthood for Aarakocra, and so um, he's really, like, going out to the city, bringing back bird feed, bringing back books for himself, and, like, um, starting to, like, come to his own as, like, this caretaker for his mom. Nice. Very, very noble. <laughs> very noble. Uh, which is interesting, because I don't think I played that into his background at all. I think I went into him with, like, uh, the background idea of a local folk hero, or, like, somebody who's about to, like, come into that local folk hero. Yeah. Which is apparently a word I can't say. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing great, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, I know. For anybody watching, I'm in Nin's usual space, so this is so bizarre and out of place for me. <laughs> Where is she? <laughs> what did you do with Nin? <laughs> now, uh, I just out of curiosity, is there anything that sets uh, Riptide apart from the other pigeons? Like, is there any like visual aesthetic to him that's a bit different? Uh, like, eh, they're just identical. 
Gleek has no idea. He, I, I don't think he's aware of the changes, though. He's definitely seen, like, how his mom is very attached to this pigeon. Uh, and so this just ends up being the pigeon he spends the most time with. Um, but this pigeon is, like, clearly more intelligent than the other pigeons. But just because Gleek hasn't spent time with those other pigeons, he has no idea about this. So he just thinks all pigeons are capable of, like, picking up these wrestling moves, going on these adventures, taking, like, pretty basic orders or, like, very basic uh, conversation. Um, but I don't think, sorry... There's a little, little fruit fly. Um, but I don't think he's aware that, like, not all pigeons are like this. Yeah. So, just out of curiosity, if you were put in, like, a scenario where, like, let's say, let's say, uh, Riptide flies over to a ledge, right? You're chasing after him, and then perhaps there's, like, six or seven other pigeons. Would he be able to tell exactly <laughs> which one is Riptide? Visually, no. The, the way I see the scene playing out in my mind is six pigeons on the ledge. He's like, Gleek is on the other side of the pigeons, and he's just like picking them up, kicking them off like the ledge. He's going rip time, rip time, <laughs> and uh, like we can't visually identify him. He starts like throwing out their code words like pineapples, cockroach boogie, uh, ghost boys, <laughs> and see like which pigeon might respond. But if Riptide decided just not to respond and like stay totally silent, pretend to be another pigeon, he'd have no idea. Oh, that poor kid. <laughs> poor kid, I know. He just brings home the entirely wrong pigeon. <laughs> right, he comes home and, like, Riptide's just pissed off because you left him at the fair still. <laughs> of course. Oh, man. Okay, well, uh, let's see. We've covered Riptide, we've covered Gleek, we've covered a little bit more in the backstory. Actually, you know what? There was one part you did mention we should go back to. Uh, your Super mother. Fun. Yes, your mother punching the hole. Well, what went down yes, that? Yes, um... So Sula's backstory is far darker than uh, Gleek and Riptide's, of course. So Sula lost her husband. She was getting kicked out of the first floor home, had to move everything up to the attic. Uh, and of course, at the time, she had three eggs that were hatching. Um, and like this whole time in the attic, uh, they just weren't hatching. Um, it's been like months kind of going by. None of them were like showing to like give any proof that they were hatching. Some of them were like, starting to turn gray. And there was like an odor kind of coming off. Um, but, like, people had already moved into the house below, and she had to, like, get rid of these eggs before it drew attention to them down below. And so she kind of waited until the new uh, guests, which I'll just say they were, um, it was, like, a group of imps that moved into the house, and they were, like, imp lawyers for the first floor. <laughs> um, and so they started, like, throwing this party at one night, and um, she kind of took that opportunity to, like, bust a hole through the wall while, like, they are celebrating down below and use that opportunity to, like, start... <laughs> scooting the eggs out the broken wall that she formed so that um, she'd get rid of the scent, get rid of the, the dying eggs, and, like, not draw any attention to herself. But it was, like, after she pushed out the second egg, that's when she noticed that the third egg, kind of sitting back, like, was starting to hatch, and it popped out bleak. Um, and it was, like, the most... It was probably the happiest she had ever been in um, the entirety of the time in the attic, which has been months. <laughs> yeah, I mean, after, after so much loss, like the two other eggs not hatching, the husband going missing, like even the loss of a home, that's all incredibly traumatic. So I mean, so just, traumatic. Have, and just have that yeah, little was, bit of light. And this was all happening to her when she was like at an older age in her life as well. So like her even having the eggs. I mean, man, this sounds like I'm drawing from something in real life. I promise you I'm not. <laughs> I have a great relationship with my mom. She had me when I was really young. Anyways, uh, or when, well, of course she had me when I was really young. When she was really young. Uh, anyways, uh, but like, I was zero when I was born. Nah, um, it was Benjamin Button. You came out 86. Like <laughs> At the age of six, I was born. Um, but, but yeah, she's probably at this point in her 
Uh, if Gleek is three, she's probably about 20 to like 21, and like the air, the average lifespan for an air coker is about 25 years. So, uh, what he's kind of seeing as like the sickness that he can't really find a cure for is really just kind of her reaching the end of her life, kind of like getting a little delirious and um, really, <laughs> really kind of living in her own world, which is ironically the basis for Gleek's existence is living in his own world. Okay, okay. The parallels. <laughs> Speaking about living in his own world, I kind of wanted to touch base a little bit about uh, session one. Uh, so I thought this would be a lot of fun. First off, um, I was curious. Uh, let's go into a little bit about why you were at the pub. Yeah, so um, basically uh, for, it just in case it hasn't been stated, uh, the campaign itself is picking up right after our, our auditions, which our auditions weren't recorded, and so this is kind of like our hidden backstory that might be revealed to the audience down the road, uh, or um, come back in some way. But we're basically kind of already off this jumping off point, and so some things had already happened, and one of those things was uh, Gleek had left his house for the first and uh, last time. Well, not for the first time, but he left his house for the last time. He left his note and he will not be returning until um, he can basically provide his help for his mom. And so, um, like a lot of this, so he left the house and basically in search for heroes that he could get up for his journey, go and um, go onto this journey and like do some feat that could like bring his family back up. And in his mind currently, it's like if he can kill a big enough monster, if he can like drag a head to like, the first floor. Um, of toll for like something might come from that <laughs> but so that was his um first mission he le he leaves the house with riptide to go up to a bar and immediately like they're trying to find uh people to work with and i'll kind of leave it there without getting too spoilery gotcha gotcha now uh also i was curious um how did you perchance know Nin? it seemed like you two were rather familiar um so very chance encounter i think uh just as far as like role playing goes obviously you want to try to bounce off of the player characters in my mind like as soon as i can to get that uh dynamic going so i have like a close relationship to them over like a pc of sorts um but it kind of started off with me bouncing off of a different npc that was much larger much tougher and then nin kind of stepping in to be like whoa 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 this is too much if i remember correctly yes uh, which is going to be a, a beat that plays continuously through the podcast of Gleek truly like getting himself into situations that he absolutely shouldn't be in, but his just level of confidence and uh, knowledge he believes he has will be him going up to like the biggest heroes, kings even, and being like, good sir, <laughs> and I enlist you. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like that's going to bring him not only uh, potentially a lot of respect, but I feel like it could also bring you a lot of problems. <laughs> I think so, too. And I think a lot of his age is going to kind of come through with the story, too. Uh, obviously, there's no plans for him to return back to the house until he can provide the help that he needs to provide. And so I'm thinking, like, throughout the podcast, throughout the journey, he'll, like, just pop up things like, oh, you know, like, back in the attic, like, we only had a sponge bed to sleep on, so, like, these, like, crazy beds are amazing. And just letting, like, some of his backstory out in those ways, just, like, really sad remarks, but he's very, like, joyful about. <laughs> like, oh, man, we used the same bathwater for two weeks. You should, like, see how that smells after, <laughs> after so long. 
Oh, that poor bird. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking about his journey, Kamikaze Pegasus asked, how do you think Gleek will grow on his journey? How do you, uh, so what do you think is going to ultimately, um, uh, what do you think he's going to develop towards? Um, I'm certainly not going to push it in any said direction, but his the entire character of Gleek is based off of growth. Like We're really kind of catching him at a point in the story where he's beginning that hero's arc, uh, hero's journey. Um, as I was saying earlier in the podcast, like I, were, I really wanted to focus on making sure he didn't have a backstory, so it's almost like this podcast is us following his backstory. And a lot of that is um, becoming more knowledgeable about the world, kind of shedding these beliefs that he already had, uh, probably questioning his own sense of heroism, uh, which I'm so excited to get into with the Ace character. I think Ace is really going to push Gleek into these like questionable areas. Okay, okay. Yeah, honestly, I can see that dynamic happening quite a bit because I'm mean, based on session one. <laughs> Poor Chris. <laughs> oh, man, he could not catch a break with his shots. And oh, my gosh. I, I just, just looking for a target for, it felt like, hours at a time. Like, what can I shoot in here? Yeah, and then ah! The man. <laughs> the one thing he hits is the shopkeeper. The one thing you don't want to hit. Oh my gosh, man! Uh, I think too. Maybe a character. I don't know. Maybe this is something we'll get into a little bit more later too. But a character I'm very excited to jump off of or bounce off on uh, is definitely uh, the character of Dathira. Um, I feel like I've been having like so many good moments with her, and like it's it keeps like feeling really organic. And I don't know if it's gonna be like a motherly kind of connection that comes from that, or kind of this uh, maybe like come to understanding of like a motherly figure, but above that like as a person first, and then like, kind of recontextualizing that within his own like childhood, kind of moving up like oh this very motherly figure like uh, we're having these fun adventures on. Um, if I were to reword a little bit, I would say, like, the adventures he's having with Dathira, um, almost filling this void of the adventures he felt like he should have been having with his own family. Oh, yeah. I could definitely see that happening, because, I mean, at that point, it's kind of like looking back on all the things, the missed opportunities, if you would. Yeah. I mean, he was stuck in that attic for so long, all he knew was his mom slowly losing herself, and a pigeon brother he can hardly understand, you know? <laughs> so, like, at the end of the day, you don't really have much to talk to, and those books were truly one of his only friends besides his brother, so... Ooh, it went real dark. <laughs> Sir, you it so well. <laughs> it's haunted. <laughs> it's okay, it's just a British guy. Oh, that was great. Uh, now, wait, ultimately, yes, though, I, I truly think uh, the two, the cohesion between you and Dathira, I think it's going to be unique, uh, especially with Bandit. Good God. You guys... And now that he speaks. <laughs> now that he speaks, it's just a whole other monster in its own. I think... Uh, I'm still, as a player, I'm still trying to figure out how I want to uh, go with that, because... Oh man, like this one, like their one of their main enemies that they ever had to take down while practicing in Tolfer was raccoons. But now here's one they have to like treat as a party member, as like an NPC all on its own, uh, somebody they have to have conversations with. I think it's going to come a lot down to a lot to like. So what is up with trash? Why do you enjoy eating that? <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, on top of that, uh, what was it? Having him, having the type of character that Bandit is. 
he's a natural troublemaker. Like, obviously we have Ace who's leaning a bit more towards this evil side. Uh, we've seen, like, him, the temptation. It's very real for his character right now. So we're first stepping into that part where we're wondering where he's going to lead. Yet we have Bandit over here who's just the natural-born troublemaker. Like, he's kind of like the jester of your guys' group. And I feel like he... I feel like the two of you are probably going to end up getting into some trouble on your own. Yeah, and our... I think the personality of Gleek and the personality of Bandit are like so opposed um, yeah. that like trying to that a lot of the bouncing off each other is going to be that yeah the tension is going to be real. I think uh, some aggressions will come out of it. I think I don't know maybe it'll be fun to like bring Gleek into this area where he also sees Bandit as his responsibility to like reel him in a little bit because um, I know that it was something that I would like love to try to bounce off of the Ace character of like me trying to like show him almost how to be the certain boy scout and like bringing bandit in along like hey you, you probably shouldn't call him toots you probably shouldn't you know do all these other things <laughs> i feel like that's just going to lead to a very passive aggressive conversation uh yeah, yeah oh I man mean, i wonder if because i wonder if Luke is capable of passive aggressiveness that, that's what i'm saying is that your character like he yeah he's obviously a little oblivious to certain things so having yeah. this uh, very rough uh kind of like east coast uh styled raccoon i feel like <laughs> very i feel like he's really just going to be coming at you with a lot of witty puns and a lot of sarcastic notes and it's just going to be like passed off as incredibly passive aggressive and I feel, <laughs> I feel like he might have a hard time grasping that in the beginning yes <laughs> I, was, I was like a very normal person I think oh man it would be so funny to have Bandit throw a joke at Gleek and be like hey you know what's really funny is you accidentally told a joke there and like starts breaking down his joke back over to Bandit and Bandit just be like yeah dude I know I made the joke <laughs> and just having Gleek be this very like literal person where He's very good at breaking things down for others, but if somebody tries to break things down for them, he's like, hey. <laughs> excuse. I feel that. I've, it's definitely going to be something fun, something a little bit chaotic, but I, it's going to be a great dynamic, ultimately. Yeah, uh, I'm excited to see what comes up in the moments. Now, I'm kind of curious. Uh, you personally, and for uh, Gleek, what are, your, what are your speculations on where this campaign might lead? It's gonna be dark. Ooh, it's gonna be dark. I, I'm expecting losses. I'm expecting... I don't know what will happen with the Sula character, uh, Gleek's mom. If I'm prepared for anything as a player, if she dies, I understand that's part of the story, and I have, like... I understand. I, I feel like I have my reaction kind of planned for that. Um, but also, um, breaking it down to where things that happen in the books, in the stories, isn't real life is going to be very exciting to look into. And so I hope the darker it gets and like the more realism is kind of like shown onto uh, the reality that he's facing before him. Oh, it's going to be it's gonna be a lot. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Trying to form my thoughts around this. Oh, no, you're golden. Uh, Honestly, uh, I, I definitely get where you're coming at too, because I mean, you've you've played in my other campaign uh, where it's where it's incredibly dark, heavy notes most of the time because you guys have gotten to this point where uh, like that that very sugar coated like fairy tale beginning it, <laughs> yes. it's not as mystic as it once was because I try to bring a lot of reality to these games because not only does it make you think a lot more, but on top of that, it really troubles you as the character and 
as a player because you're sitting there like holy shit like yeah. this, this would go great with my character's thought process <laughs> but like morally I know where you're headed and I don't want to go that way and some of it too is like deciding the character arc like in your head as it's happening like how I know how I react to this but how do I move my own character to now react to this moment like the first time they probably kill somebody I think is going to be this realization of like something he didn't have in mind like that death was a possibility like killing the person uh that's in front of them like whatever villain's like whoa this is this is out of hand uh so that's definitely gonna be like one huge mile marker for him is like the first death he encounters oh yeah i feel like the that very cartoony side of him is gonna be pulled off real quick then <laughs> it's going from Looney Tunes to Bojack Horseman really fast. Yeah, all of a sudden you're, you're just watching Gleek like taking a drag from his cigarette like out of a balcony. Like, it's been rough times ever since I lost my brother Riptide. I'm a totally different person. <laughs> Actually, funny you say that because Kamikaze Pegasus asked, "How would Gleek react if something were to happen to Riptide?" Let's, let's start first. I'm curious about two different sides of that. So first, let's say that he gets hurt. Like, just, just hurt in general. Like, he gets wounded. Hurt? It definitely depends on the severity of that injury. Um, it's very jokey up until the point where he thinks he's going to lose him. So, broken wing, it's like, suck it up, you big baby. Uh, severed wing, it's probably tears in the eyes, like, suck it up, you baby. Like, be dramatic <laughs> type deal. Um... But if, like, he ever did lose Riptide, ooh, yeah, if he ever did lose Riptide, I don't think he would be able to live with himself. And it would, you'd probably see some, like, dark days ahead of him where he's, like, piling up feathers into shapes and, like, putting rocks on top of it to, like, try to recreate his brother. Like, like do you think Mama noticed? <laughs> like, holding this makeshift pigeon and just, at, like, finding any ways. Like, he'll, he'll take the path of the warlock, just be able to, like, grab necromancy powers to bring back Riptide. <laughs> That is one devoted brother. For someone who is not excited about having a half brother, he's a real sweetheart. Of course, it's it's you know it's like the classic like brotherly ain't stuff where it's like you don't want to admit anything, but like yeah. but like it shows through through actions at all. <laughs> yeah, the moment that second kid pops into the equation, it's nothing but a battle of jealousy <laughs> and of favoritism at that point. And when it was so dramatic to the degree that his mom stopped speaking to Gleek and pretty much only spoke pigeons like the other pigeons like there was like such a cutoff point for him but they're still like oh man like mom would kill me if you died <laughs> <laughs> and if you die i'll kill you <laughs> now uh let, let's see we've we've touched base on what would happen if someone else died now what do you think uh what do you think it's gonna be like when he has to kill someone so let's say like uh, Gleek and Riptide are caught in a one-on-one -on -one scenario with an individual. You know, like let's say they're both trapped in here, and this guy's intent on killing you or you killing him, and there's no passive way out of this. <laughs> how, how, how do you think he's gonna fare? I think he does go for the kill, but it's it's really after everything's been uh, measured. Um, obviously, his first well, not obviously, uh, but Gleek's first move will always to be to like apprehend them or like disable them in a way where like the fighting stops to like have a have a conversation, and so like he can drop his own uh, heroic monologue to like the villain and like change their ways. But I think if it really came down to it, like it, even if he turned his head and like closed his eyes, he would still like let go of the arrow and like 
take out the other person if you really had to. But I'm hoping that moment's pushed down like quite a ways down the line. And like a lot of these, uh, I think he it's not so much of a big deal for him, at least not at first, um, if like other people kill other people and he's just kind of uh, a viewer in that. But the second it's his own action, um, that's when like uh, pieces of him starts breaking down. I feel that. Okay. Uh, let's see. I think a question that I definitely have for you too. Uh, this one's a little bit different. It's more hopping into your equipment. Um, I'm curious. Do you think he's ever going to go astray from the boat? Do you think he might hop into like a crossbow? Perhaps even try to find someone who can make a gun at your size? It would take a made uh, impressive craftsmanship abilities, you know. But <laughs> uh, I'm just curious. Do you think you're gonna be a bow guy forever? I think I want to be a bow guy forever. Uh, we already hit level two, so I already get weapons expertise, and I went ahead and threw that into the bow. I think he sees like a lot of like heroism in the bow, um, a lot of like the practice and training that it takes to use it. He only has like a very makeshift one that he's kind of built his on his own, so like it doesn't really shoot very far. It barely like takes out the rats. Um, oh man, I didn't even think about how like the death of rats plays into his concept of like the death of other people. Maybe he doesn't. Mm. Okay, that's something else to get into. Uh, but <laughs> currently, <laughs> currently though, like very makeshift stuff. Uh, he does have a cloak, uh, but it's like one of his dad's cloaks that that he left behind before his trip. Uh, but as far as equipment goes, he has very rough arrows, a uh, very makeshift bow that he's kind of like built from uh, like the sinewy tissue of the critters he's killed. Um, maybe <laughs> gross. If we wanted to get gross with it, maybe his bow is made out of like cockroaches' legs at first, and it's just like this real like gutter kid <laughs> like coming up for like you guys like my bow and just holding up this like um it's oh man i hate making references but um almost like those like spongebob close-ups like where all of a sudden the art gets like way too real there's like flies flying off the bow and like little hair sticking out yeah. and you're just holding it <laughs> awful <laughs> oh gross yeah so um to make a long answer short, I think he's going to stick to the bow. Um, and I think he's really going to be improving a lot of it. I don't want to end up being a player who uh, supports things from very far away. Like, I don't want to be a character who's just flying above the action, like shooting arrows down. Um, so I'm really hoping to find not just pushing the character, but pushing myself to find like more creative ways uh, to use the bow. Like if I'm tying the rope onto an enemy, tying the rope to like the end of an arrow, and, like shooting it or something, uh, whatever kind of pops up in the moment. Gotcha. Now, uh, let's see. Ooh, I think I got a good one. What do you think would happen in a scenario? Let's say that, um, let's say the opportunity for a new partner arises. Let's say that someone very formidable, very uh, proud in stature, very noble, uh, perhaps someone uh, that's even more cohesive with you than you and Riptide, naturally. Do you think there might ever be the opportunity where you and Riptide ever disband? Hit me with tough questions. That's so good. I think I it could. I guess it really depends on the NPC. But I think currently he kind of sees the two of them as like one unit. Um, whenever he's teaming up with an NPC, it's really the two of them teaming up with one NPC. Um, and like a lot of or not necessarily NPC, but you know another character. And so. He sees like his team dynamic as like coming before 
himself in a way. So I want to say the answer is that he wouldn't consider a new team up, but there might be like an arc where it's like, um, if Riptide is injured and he can't join in, like, hey buddy, I need to go with this other guy. Please don't be jealous, but we're gonna go do some hero shit. <laughs> Because, I mean, there's going to be definitely some scenarios where you might not want to bring Riptide with you just out of fear for his survival. Of course. And, if something's too dangerous, uh, maybe kind of tuning in back to the session one where he started up this game of, like, hide-and-go-seek with Riptide like, at the very beginning and just kind of, like, lost track of him. I think there's going to be a lot of distractions like that where it's like, we're about to go into this big battle, and it's like... Like, hey, Riptide, can you go find me exactly 27 grass seeds and, like, five hay seeds and uh, bring them back here and we'll see you when we're done. Okay, good luck. <laughs> like, sending him off on his, like, own really minor quest, which I think could also be a hilarious thing to, like, cut to during the podcast is, like, us with this giant battle uh, and then, like, cutting back over to Riptide, like, I found a seed, I found another seed. <laughs> That would, that would definitely introduce a, uh, more than a few good opportunities for not, like a nice little monologue, funny little narrative. Of course. Of course. <laughs> now, just out of curiosity, do you think, uh, kind of delving into that same question a little bit more, uh, do you think there's ever an opportunity where you and Riptide might get into an argument? Maybe you don't decide to cut it off, but do you think Every, Riptide ooh, might Riptide himself decides the part Ooh, that's deep and dark. Um, if, he, if he's as intelligent as he is, then obviously he's got his own opinion on certain matters. He'll have to make his own opinion. Um, yeah, I think Leap would definitely be on his knees begging for him to come back. Um, but yeah, that's always an opportunity, uh, or that's always a possibility for him to uh, leave. And I think that would be such like a hard thing for him to try to deal with as well. <laughs> I feel that. I am definitely, I mean, anyone stepping off, whether it's to better oneself or whether it's for much darker or sadder reasons. Yeah, it's, I think uh, I missed... It's always tough to say goodbye. I think I missed part of that question, too. I I hope I'm not doing too much for making you repeat a little bit. I just want to make sure I didn't miss anything. Oh, no, it, it was more so just talking about, like, uh, it, just if Riptide would ever take that opportunity, do you think he would ever go about that? Like, do you think uh, he would be ever pushed that far? I think if anybody were to leave the group, it would definitely be Riptide's decision as well. And I think it'd be, I don't know if he would see that as a tough decision, but it would be very hard on Gleek. And as I was kind of saying, like he would be like on his knees begging him to stay, um, unless it was something like like Riptide found like his flock of pigeons that he belongs to, then it's like, I get it, buddy. You gotta be here. I'll let mom know. <laughs> uh, so there are instances where it would be okay, but no matter what, it's gonna be tough. I hear you. Let's see. We got a few questions from the chat. Yes, please, uh, I would also like to get into lore speculation. Ooh. Let's hit those chat questions. We'll hit these chat questions and then some lore speculation for you. Uh, so, what does Gleek do better in? Hot or cold weather? That is another one from Samson. Um, I would probably say hot weather since he has most experience uh, within the mountain of Tolfor. Um, I don't know if he knows what a cool breeze is. Um, well, maybe living up on the first floor with a hole there, like maybe every once in a while something came in, but probably exploring that. Yeah, a nice little draft every once in a while, but probably for the most part, it's all um, hot, like really damp weather, especially in an attic where like just nothing but heat rises. Like it's a, he's probably used to being in a sauna for most of his life. Yeah, basically a sweat box at that point. <laughs> Poor kid. <laughs> 
Uh, He's happy with the of his life, and he doesn't even know it's all soggy. <laughs> uh, L.O.G. Nasty says, what if Gleek was purple? I don't know. What if Gleek was purple? Uh, maybe to some viewers he is purple based on if they are colorblind or have color differences. We, we simply cannot know, and I'll let them answer, answer that. If Provide a platform for our colorblind um, individuals. Hey, if he was purple, I think he would just be a peacock at that point. Standing strong. <laughs> colorblind. <laughs> uh, let's see. So we got one from Surfer Girl. She says, uh, what is Gleek's favorite flower that might distract him in pivotal moments? So we already talked a little bit about the flower being that little, like, uh, weed that would kind of break through the toll four floors. Uh, pretty much the equivalent of like a magical dandelion. So I'm going to kind of reflavor that one a little bit. I do like the idea though. Do you think um, there's potentially any flora or fauna that he might find uh, interesting enough? Like you said, he's a boy scout basically. Like if he gets caught up in a moment where he sees something unique enough, do you think he's really going to step away in the midst of combat? Um, or like even just a pickle, guess, like maybe you guys are having a monologue with like the, an evil king or something, and then all of a sudden <laughs> you see like, wow, is that posies? <laughs> you never get that distracted. I think uh, for those who managed to watch the one shot before uh, the podcast, uh, it wasn't recorded, but there was a moment in there where uh, there was a flower that might have provided a tactical advantage to the battle, and I think he looks at a lot of plants as... Um, what can help him during a battle, maybe outside of battle, for like healing properties. Um, but I don't know if he'd ever be... The only time he'd be so distracted to like leave the party to look at a flower would be out of combat. It would have to be something that he's like hasn't come across before, like read about before, and would like want to document it himself. Maybe goes up there, like kind of like noms on the, on the pedal a little bit, like, hmm, interesting. It tastes like better here, but if I eat the stem, then hmm. And like people come up and like, dude, that's a rose. There's nothing special about it. <laughs> Like, you don't know. <laughs> you don't know until you try. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, none of my books ever talked about roses. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of that, actually, your books. Ooh, that's a good Ooh. one. Uh, yes. are, are there any books he has that are favorites? Perhaps any favorite authors? Oh my gosh, he does. Good thing I have my notes here. I actually don't know. Um, crap. The answer is yes. The long answer is I don't have it on me, um, but I have it on my phone, which I am using right here to record. Um, and I can't, I think there was one called An Elf in His Journey. Yes. I believe that was one. Correct. Um, I made one of my own called Friends of Markesh. Uh, that goes into like maybe like the like a playful side of like hey here are the kings of Marrakesh and here, and here are how they like uh, high five each other like in the desert and stuff but it's like really just a very kid dumped down version of like wars that have taken place in Marrakesh yeah um, <laughs> almost kind of like a morbid book but the kids just so oblivious you know. <laughs> Oh, and I can't forget uh, all of his dragon books. Oh my god. Dragon books are like the one thing that he focuses on, and he has so much knowledge on dragons and just knows absolutely everything that there is to know about dragons. Truly a dragon expert. <laughs> oh, man. No sarcasm detected. Is that sarcasm? Oof. <laughs> all right, my boy. Well, I think what we're going to do, because we're at 50 minutes already, I think we're going to take a 10-minute break real quick just to kind of give us time to stretch. 
Uh, we're going to come back. We're going to dive in a little bit more, talking about pretty much the future predictions for the campaign and all that. And, uh, yeah, if you guys have any questions, feel free in this 10 minutes to drop them in the chat. Uh, it is currently 7.50 Pacific Standard Time. We'll come back at 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Holiday. All See right. you guys there. See you guys soon. Wait, 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 questions. All the dumb questions, too. I love as the dumb many, questions. As many dumb there ones. There is no dumb questions. Please, please. The pur Honestly, Purple was probably one of my favorites. <laughs> the more... <laughs> Yeah, because I love working in like just things that you wouldn't expect into like his per own personal beliefs. Um, so yeah, anything the weirder the better. Oh yeah, hit with it. All right, guys. Well, yeah, we'll see. You. Now it's gonna be in about nine minutes.